So, um, like I said, good morning. We just want to thank you for joining us uh, this morning to attend this workshop. And um, as you can see, it's connected with new families, serving children with special needs. So I want to just give you a little um, background on how my husband and myself are personally connected to the special needs community. Uh, first of all, I have four adult sons, three that are typical and one that has intellectual disability. Um, and I'm using these words... Uh, some of you might not be familiar with them. My son, like I said, has intellectual disability, but back in the day that was called mental retardation, but now the correct word is intellectual disability. He's very, he's very high-functioning. And um, I identified my other sons as typical, which means normal. So if you uh, hear anybody in the, in that's um, talking about uh, somebody who has special needs, they, they'll say, oh, well, he's normal, but that's not the right word, okay? The right word is uh, uh, typical. Anyways, my son is 31 years old, and, and um, he uh, has intellectual disability. He actually came here with new, uh, to New Harvest with me um, from birth, basically when he was in my womb. So he's, he's been involved with New Harvest that, uh, for that length of time. Um, and because this is um, dealing with um, special needs uh, people, I want to educate you on how to address them and their, their identity. Again, like I was saying, intellectual disability, um, typical. And when you speak of somebody who has a developmental disability, you, the way you identify them, you say, oh, my, um, my autistic nephew. You don't say that, okay? The, the, the diagnosis doesn't go before the name. It's the person first. My son who has autism, my nephew has autism, um, my, my niece who has um, intellectual disability, because the disability doesn't define the individual. The individual owns it. It's the person first. So, you, you, you know, you, you just need to educate yourself, just like I had to. I had to at first, you know, when my son was young, I had to learn all this stuff. So... Um, so about two years ago, uh, Focus Norwalk here um, became, uh, partnered with 211 LA County and also with Harbor Regional Center. And um, what the goal was to reach the special needs community. That was the whole goal. That's why here in Norwalk we partnered with, um, with 211 LA County and Harbor Regional Center. So for those of you who don't know what Regional Center is, I'm going to give you uh, their definition of what they, what they do. It is an organization for individuals with developmental disabilities and their families. Regional Center can provide diagnosis and evaluation, information and referral, individual or family service planning, family support, and assistance in finding and using community resources. So from, if, again, if you live here in California, from the north to the south, there's 21 regional centers uh, across California. So if you are from California and live in California, there's a, there's a regional center that serves your area. <clears throat> um, so, um, I, and then also I just want to let you know, I also worked for a regional center up until a couple of months ago. And the only reason I stopped was because I'm my mom's caregiver and her health has been declining, so it was taking a lot of my time, so I had to, I had to stop. But um, that was one of, you know, one of, um, hard, that was a hard decision for me to make because I, I really love working with you know, uh, the, this community. And I don't want to stop, and that's why I'm here, involved here at the church, because we want to keep it um, going, not just, you know, it's not just our personal vision, it's, it's the church's uh, vision also. So um, in saying that, how we partnered with them here at NOAC, what we did is we made our facilities available to regional center 
to uh, have classes available so the regional center could have workshops. And what regional center does is they conduct work workshops for information for the families, like uh, maybe social skills class, uh, 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 to even as, as toilet training, parenting, just different classes for the special needs community. Um, Norwalk has opened their, their door for that. And what that did, it, it, it became an outreach tool for um, uh, New Harvest here at Norwalk so that we can share with the families what we have here to, prove, uh, uh, to provide for the families. Through Focus, we have Parent Project, we have Celebrate Recovery, we have um, also, it also the church functions, all that. We're able to invite these families. We're, we're targeting families that have never been um, given the opportunity to attend church or attend any of these functions. They're very, very, very limited, as Mahzama will expand on that right now. Um, so back in um, uh, December, Sister Nancy had invited um, these families to our Christmas play. And one, uh, one particular family attended uh, the, the, the event. And so um, the, 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 the family had a child that had autism. So that the child was getting a little antsy because a lot of children have autism. Noise gets to them. And so if you have a, a loud worship service, they start, you know, getting antsy. So... What the usher did is he approached the family and told them that they, that they had to go to the crime room. So what happened is the family uh, got up and ended up leaving. They ended up leaving because they just did not like the way the, the, uh, the usher approached them. And it, all ha and it has to do with lack of knowledge. The usher wasn't doing it to be mean or anything, but it has to do because of lack of, lack of knowledge. So, uh, oops, let me have you, Mike. So as a result of that... Um, I guess word back got back to uh, Sister Nancy that I guess the family called and said that uh, they were really offended by the way the usher approached them, and uh, so they ended up leaving. So Sister Nancy contacted Tina and asked us if we could have a meeting because she knew that we, you know our son had special needs. If we can have a meeting with the ushers uh, and just try to go over how to better communicate uh, with families uh, that come in, especially those uh, with kids that have special needs, and how to address them, how to how to communicate with them, how to uh, better handle uh, this situation. So as we were preparing for our meeting, I just started doing some research, started doing some reading, uh, reading some different articles, different blogs, uh, you know, just how uh, the, the special needs community and how church is connected. And what I was finding was a lot of complaints about churches, that a lot of parents had so many complaints. You would see the articles, and in the bottom will be complaints of, of, of uh, you know, uh, you know the reasons why they didn't come to church. Uh, and when I was reading it, I just started uh, uh, seen a lot of things, and, and it came to, to the realization that across the United States, children who have developmental or intellectual disabilities are much more likely to never attend church services than children who have no health conditions. The odds of a non child with autism never attending church services are almost double what they are for children who have uh, no chronic condition. And I started reading that, and, and I started looking at some of the reasons that they were listing of why they never came to church. You know, they wanted to come to church. They wanted to be part of a, of, of a church family. They wanted the fellowship. But just they started listing these reasons why they just weren't able to attend church. One of the reasons was that the parents were either told that their, ch uh, their church could not accommodate their child. Basically, they just had no ministry for them or no one was willing to help their child. So they'd come in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, our child has autism. Uh, is there anything you can offer us? And they say, well, we don't have anything uh, to, or anyone to assist your family. So they just found that, that, that there was just... Uh, Nothing they can do in that church. 
So as I said earlier, um, I, when I was working for a regional center, I, obviously I was working with um, uh, parents. Well, with this one particular parent, uh, she had relocated and she wanted to attend church. She, and this, she was sharing this with me. And um, so her cousin was attending a church and so the cousin, where she had relocated. So he invited her to go to his church. So she went um, and she took her son who has autism and she asked if they had the cousin didn't know because if they had uh, anything for for the for her um, her son because you know he didn't have no children so he said you know just come with me and we'll see what they have for you so um when they got to the church she asked and they said oh i'm sorry we have nothing here to offer your son but what i'll do this particular church leader said i'll go and ask um uh, the church if anybody would want to volunteer to to you know uh, assist you with your son so a while later, the, the church leader came back to the mom and told her, you know what, I'm sorry, we, we outreached to the church, but nobody wants to volunteer to work with your son. And the mom was totally devastated. And, and they, they also mentioned, well, maybe you go down the church, maybe they can, down the street at another church, they can help you. The mom was so devastated. She was just like, God, you know, she goes, these, Tina, she goes, these are words that I, I will not want any other parent to hear. You know, because mom... You, you got to realize is that you know church is a place that you know uh, that where we go just for 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 um, uh, you know for comfort for peace you know when you have a rough day you know you know how we feel when we have those rough days and mom mom just wanted that but like if if nobody's there to assist her with her son who has autism then you know what what is she to do I um, I know firsthand how that felt when I barely got saved I got saved in 1980. Okay, so it's been it's been a while. A year before my I wasn't born yet, but <laughs> no. um, so anyways, I, I was coming two years by myself before he got saved. So anyways, um, I went into the nursery um, and was feeding my son. And at that time, I don't know if uh, anyways at that time the guidelines was I was the, I wasn't able to feed my son in the nursery because it was different for him because not only did he have the disability that I mentioned, but he also had a medical condition. He had a trach where I had to go in there and section him out, you know, for the first two years of his life. And um, but thank God, God healed him for that after when he was two years old. But anyway, so I went in the nursery, and the nursery there, she said it kindly to me. It wasn't like she was rude or anything, but but in my mind, I'm like, okay, doesn't she see um, the difficult thing I have to do here? You know, in my mind, I'm saying this: Do I want to come back or do I want to go find another church? I'm, I'm doing this within my mind, right? So then ultimately, you could see that I'm here, you know, I made the decision to, to stick it out. And what happened is me and that nursery leader ended up becoming very, 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 very good friends. But see how my destiny could have been hindered just by the simple words she said. Even though she said it kindly, there's another way you could approach it. It's all in, we could say the same words, but it's all in how we say it. And when God brings people in, we have to ask God, you know, God, give us the words to say. Give us the knowledge of how to say this, you know. Anoint our words for new people. So, Yeah, and the second uh, reason, again, why parents listed uh, the reasons they didn't go to church, especially those that had children with special needs, is they were told that they would have to sit with their children in the children's ministries. So they would go take their child to the children's ministries. They'd find out that their child had a special need. And those ministries would tell them, hey, I'm sorry, if you want your child to participate in our children's ministry, you're going to have to sit with them in the class because we have no one to, to, to accommodate them. So if it was a couple, you know, that they went to church, one of them would, would be in the nursery, I mean the children's class, 
uh, the whole service while the other parent was in, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, in the worship service, or if it was a single parent, they would never get to, to worship because they're always with their child in, in, the, uh, in the children's ministry because nobody would watch them. So they basically say, what's the use of attending? You know, why do we even come if I'm never even getting to, uh, being allowed to sit in the worship service? The third thing was the attitudes from other church members. One of the fathers wrote, and this is the father in his article, he said, one father wrote that the attitudes from other church members can be devastating. These include de- degrading comments or stares, signaling that the child with a health condition is not welcome. And I, I see that a lot where you'll be sitting in service and a, a kid will start making a little bit of noise, and right away people turn around and start giving them the death stare, like, what's your child doing in here? You know, start, you know. So if you're a parent with a child with special needs, you get this all the time in the world. And, and then they come into the house of God and have to deal with the same thing. It's like, man, it's just... So the father said, this is devastating that we get stares from people. We get little comments. Some of the comments he said that uh, we have people that tell us that a child who is disruptive in church probably shouldn't attend. If your child's going to come to church and be disruptive all the time, maybe you shouldn't bring that child to church. And then he was told, others have told him, uh, uh, you know, if a child has a health condition, are they really getting anything out of church anyway? You know, if they're not really nonverbal, they're, you know, they're not really, uh, you know, grasping, what's the point of bringing them? Because they're not getting anything out of it anyway. So this is what the Father said, that the attitudes of other church members are what many times will drive them away. Again, many of these, and then the last thing was, the fourth thing was that many parents felt like they were being banished to the crying room. They looked at this as a punishment because, you know, maybe their child's not, you know, the crying room age. You know, I don't know what the age is, but mostly for infants. And, you know, they maybe have a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old and they're told, you know what, take your child to the crying room because, you know, we can't, you can't take them to class because we have nothing to offer in the class. So take them to the crying room. So they felt like they're being punished. And they're being told, go with the babies. Take your child with all the babies or all the babies are crying and you can sit in the worship service in there. So, again, they would feel, feel offended by that. They'd feel like, you know, you know, almost as a punishment. You know, you're sending me with all the babies. You know, why even come to the church? So, again, many of these parents and many of these families are tired, at times discouraged. You know, um, again, it's difficult having to continually explain your child's condition. Uh, you know, always having to, 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 to apologize to people because some of the things that your child's done, or even having to say, I'm sorry. Uh, and I know for a fact firsthand, I have a nephew who, who has autism. He's in his mid-20s now. And there's times where he'll come to our house, and it's usually his brother because a lot of times, even just the struggle at home with siblings because the siblings feel like that's the favorite child. You always favor them. You do everything for them. You know, that's, that's your favorite. So they give them a hard time because they feel like we give them all our attention. And, 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 and they understand that they're special and they have certain needs. But their siblings, you know, kind of get frustrated with that. And they give them a hard time. So, you know, it causes even more problems within the home. So many times my nephew, my, ne- my other nephew would give him a hard time. His brother would just give him a hard time and just trigger him. So sometimes he'd be at our house. And one of the things he likes to do is just run. Just go running out the door. So, again, he's in his mid-20s, so you see this guy, and my neighbors are outside, and everybody's outside, and you see this guy come running down the street. All the neighbors are wondering, what's going on here? So then my sister has to go and start explaining, apologizing. She told us the other day, we were talking, she didn't even know what we were doing this, and, and she was telling us, yeah, I, I mean, all my neighbors, I had to go to every door just to explain to them, because she had just moved into a new house, to explain to them, hey, this is my son's condition. So sometimes it can, can wear on you that you're always doing that. So I remember one time we were at... Uh, I think it's John's Famous Pizza in Victorville, and they were having a party there, and my sister-in-law there, we were there, and again, his brother started giving him a hard time, just, just really, really giving him a hard time. So it just triggered him, and he just had a, a, an outburst 
I mean, really just had an outburst in the middle of that place. He was screaming and yelling. And you know, it is like Chuck E. Cheese. That place is so loud you can't hear anything. And I remember when I went out there, it was almost like the place went silent. Everybody was just looking at him. And I just looked at my sister-in-law, and I could just see the discouragement in her face. I go, what do you want me to do? She goes, can you get him out? Can you just take him outside? And, man, I had to wrestle with him to get him out. So a lot of these parents, you know, they, they go through a lot all day, and then to have to come to the house of God and, and get attitudes or tell, hey, you know what, I'm sorry. We don't have nothing to offer your child. You're going to have to, you know, find a church out the street or, uh, you know, go to the crying room with them, or you're going to have to sit with them in service. And all they want to do is just come into the, the house of God and, and, and find worship. Uh, it, 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 you know, people come to the house of the Lord to find refuge again. They come find peace, to hope. They're looking for fellowship. You know, they're looking for someone just to fellowship with. Uh, they're looking for some support, some people that can be there to encourage them. And it should be the same for families with children who have special needs. So what we're going to do to better assist and serve families with children who have special needs, um, we are developing a ministry of individuals who feel called to minister to these families. And basically we're, we're starting what we're calling the buddy system. So what it is, it's basically going to be the buddy ministry. There's some things that we're going to do. So what it is, it's going to be a buddy, which will be an individual that's going to be assigned to that child permanently. It's going to be for, and right now we're just going to start on Sunday mornings. We're going to do 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, whatever service that family comes to. So that in, the, the individual that, that uh, you know, feels challenged to, to participate and start working with children who have special needs, they'll be assigned to that one family, to that one child uh, permanently. They'll stay with that child the whole service so that their parents can enjoy and participate in the worship service. So the parents no longer have to go to the crying room with them. They no longer have to uh, go sit in class with them. But what it is is one individual will be assigned to that child, and they'll stay with them the entire service. What the buddy will do is they'll take them to their class. We're going to do up to age 12 right now. Uh, they're going to take them to their age-appropriate class, and they will sit there and assist the child throughout the service. So what happens is because a lot of times we have our team, you know, our, our Elevate kids, we have our break room, and they have their assigned workers there. And what I'm finding out from some of them is that, yeah, sometimes we do get kids that come in that have special needs. And what it does, it takes away from our team because now we have an individual has to, to kind of leave what they're doing to try to, you know, kind of calm them or, you know, get them to participate. So this kind of helps uh, keep from you from pulling away from your team so that individual will stay with that child and they'll assist that child and stay with them the entire service. And then also we're going to have children, those who are not able to attend their age-appropriate class or to go to uh, sit in service with their parents in the worship service. Um, they, they're just not capable of, or also not just capable of sitting in class, like an instructional class of teaching. They just cannot handle that. So what we're going to do is uh, create a sensory room. And um, we actually have it set up in room 25 in the second floor for after the workshop. If any of you guys want to take a quick tour, you can go upstairs and, and, and do that. So anyways, as I was saying, they will, um, parents will have the option to take their, 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 not the parents, but the buddy will also take the, their, their, the child to the sensory room. And in that sensory room, at least two adults need to be in there. That's what we're going to have because no child should be left alone, you know, with their buddy. Again, you know, just like we have in our other ministries, you know, the accountability. So there will always be two adults in the sensory room. Um, let me give you a definition of what the sensory room is in case those you don't know what that is. The goal of a sensory room is to provide a safe place where the individual can go when they need to either calm or stimulate their senses. It provides a range of stimuli to help develop and engage their senses. These can include light, colors, sounds, 
sensory soft play objects, and aromas, all within a safe environment that allows a person using it to explore and interact without risk. So <clears throat> prior to a family being assigned to a buddy, what I'll do is I'll be meeting with the parents one-on-one uh, and, uh, on one and just to learn about their child, you know, I, like what are their likes, what are their dislikes, um, what are their, you know, the word I'm going to use is trigger. In other words, you know, what's going to make, I don't, because certain triggers will set them off. Just like what he was saying, you know, my my typical nephew would trigger my, my nephew that has autism by just telling him certain words, okay? There's certain words that will just make him take off, okay? So these are things that I'm going to, I'm, I'm, when I meet with the parent, I'm going to, uh, ask them. And then also, at the same time, I'm going to learn about the family. And then at that time, I'll be able to assist the entire family and let them know what we here at church have to offer the entire family. Because we're not just reaching out just to the, 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 the uh, child that has the developmental disability. We're reaching out to the entire family. Because the, if the whole family is being, uh, uh, their needs are being met spiritually, then, you know, that's what our goal is, to meet the needs of the, of the, of the family spiritually, God's children. So uh, let me then also when I, when I meet with the family, what I'm going to do is also um, let them know if they're familiar with regional center. And again, like I mentioned, I give you that definition of what regional center does, the services they provide for these particular families, because not every family knows uh, about regional center. They don't, and they don't know the services that they have to offer. So, you know, that, that will give me the opportunity to, uh, to share with them. And what you need to do if you work with children, if you're a, 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 a children ministry leader or if you're a pastor in here, um, inform yourself about what, re what services regional center has to offer. You know, inform yourself of even where the regional center exists in your city. Like I said earlier, there's 21 uh, regional centers throughout California from the north to the south. So familiar, familiarize yourself with your regional center, the name of it, and what services they have to offer. Um, I'm going to give you two side notes here. <clears throat> if you have any questions about regional center, about par partnering with your local regional center, if you're from another church on how we are doing, I, I could give you information on that, how we did that. Um, if you have any uh, questions about educational services or any other services that you feel that you might have questions concerning an, an individual in your family or an individual um, within your church, uh, you, could come and, you could come and see me afterwards. Also, I want to mention to you, when it comes to special education, a lot of parents don't know that um, the special education in your local school district you know, has uh, such as speech therapy, occupational therapy. What a lot of parents don't know is if your child or someone you know attends your church uh, learning center, these special need services are available to you. A lot of parents don't know that. They think, okay, because my child goes to uh, my church learning center, I can't get them speech. I can't get them occupational therapy. No, you are, you are your child's entitled to these services. So I just want to give you that, that side note. Because some of you don't, you have your, your learning center and you kind of have, you're in a dilemma. You're, making, you're trying to make that decision like, I don't want them in public school because we know how crazy sometimes some public schools are. But at the same time, I need them to get that special education. It's, it, it was hard. We, me, my son, when he was little, we, we had the school here, right? So my son, I think he was three years old, and my two older sons were already coming here. 
and he was, I want Matthew to come to a school. And I would, I, I fought him and then I go, no, he needs a special education. On um, same thing, I want Matthew here, Matthew here, Matthew here. And until one day, he used the same words, the same words, but it was like God speaking to me. And I'm like, okay, God, he's gonna come here. <laughs> but um, and he ended up coming here and graduating. He'll 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 share a little bit more more about that with you. But I just want to give you that little side note. If you if if you have any questions on that, you could approach me and ask me after on that. Right. So we kind of the things where we started and how we, 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 we got it going. So first thing is recruit. Uh, we're going to be making an announcement to the church. Of course, we started here with the, 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 the workshop today. Uh, we're going to start advertising within the church, also through social, social media. Uh, we're going to start stating that we need individuals who feel called to minister to children who have special needs. And, and we're going to start letting people know that this is what we're looking for, uh, the people. Uh, we're also going to train. We're going to build a team of individuals who commit to one service every Sunday to that same family and that same child. And again, it's important that it's, it's going to be a commitment because you're basically committing yourself to the life of the child or the life of yourself. Uh, it's not like I'm going to be here one Sunday and maybe I'll pick it up a month later because certain children get, get in a routine and they're used to that same face every week. And they become comfortable with them. They begin to trust them and they begin to, to follow, follow their lead. So it's important that we find individuals that say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be here every Sunday for that family. I'm going to be here every Sunday for that child. So we're going to train them. We're going to be able to train them, give them understanding of our vision, what our goal is, uh, what to expect uh, you know, with, with children, uh, especially those with special needs, uh, how to communicate with them and their families, uh, and, and how to work with them, how to, how to get them, you know, get them in, to either get involved within the, the, the Elevate Kids or our break room, or if we have to take them to the sentry room. Uh, we're also going to communicate with our ushers, uh, our care ministry leaders uh, and workers, uh, our children's ministries, uh, our greeters. So when families come in, we can already know that, hey, this is what we have to offer. If you're you able to identify a family that has a child or maybe has special needs, or maybe they, they speak that to you, whether it be an usher or, or here in the, in the, in the, when, they, when the guest services, when they first come in, we'll be able to tell them, hey, this is exactly what we have to offer your child. And be able to say, this is what the, what the buddy system is. This is how it works. Uh, if you need more information, uh, you, they can direct them to me and my wife. And uh, So we're going to educate. We're going to train. So that way everybody's on board. Everybody knows what's going on. It would be sad to say somebody comes in and it's like, uh, what do you have to offer my child? I don't know. They do something. And, and you know, maybe you can ask somebody else. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be able to answer the questions. Because, again, it's like, here we go again. That's what they're going to think. Here we go again. Another church that doesn't have nothing to offer my child. And they're going to walk right out that door. So, again, uh, you know, they say the first 15 minutes is so key, so, so vital. So we want to be able to say, hey, you know, this is what we have to offer. And it's important. Uh, again, we designed a sensory room. It's on room 25. Uh, it's right here just above us. During break, you want to take a look at it. See how we set it up. See how it's, it's going to work. Again, these for these are for children that just can't participate in class. Uh, they just, they just so we take we'll take them in there again. We'll have at least two individuals in there with the child. No child will be alone. Uh, so if you want to go look at it either now after break or, or after service, will be set up. We could go take a look at it. If you want to take pictures of it, uh, take it back to your church. Uh, there's things in there. Don't take them home because uh, we got tracking devices on everything. We were talking about this with Hector and Joanna before a conference in Azusa. We put some nice plants with all the, you know, all the brochures, and we went back to go get the plants, and they were all gone. So if you took my plants, I want them back. So, <laughs> so again, yeah, we're going to design a sensory room. Um, we're also going to create a flyer with all the children's ministries listed on that, on that flyer. And what that will do will help the ushers, and not only will it give information, but it will help the ushers, just like we mentioned earlier how uh, the family left because the usher was um, 
you know, was uninformed. So say, for instance, that same family, you see them, the, you know, that same scenario. They come in, you see their child is antsy, and you're not sure if that child has a developmental disability. Whether that child has a, a, that, a developmental disability or is just your typical child who is just, you know, frustrated, um, you're, you need to approach them the same way because if, if you're a parent that, that uh, your child has autism, you don't go up to that parent and say, oh, I know your child has autism. Some parents are okay with that. They, some parents are, okay, I'd rather you tell me that. But then there's other parents like, you know what? It's not your business. Why are you approaching me this way? You're already making a judgment on, on, on how my son is. Or you just have that parent, again, that had a, a rough day. They're like, I don't want to have to explain this again. I'm just here. Let me be. I just came to hear, hear what God has for me. So what that flyer will do, it will list all the children's ministries, and um, they have all, all of them. So if that child is typical, they could say, okay, hey, look, okay, they have this to offer my child. You know, um, let me ask this usher or greeter. They could give me more information about it. Or say their child does have a disability. They'll see on there, like, hey, wow, you know, I, this is exactly what I was looking for. They have a class for my child. You know, let me go approach again the usher or the greeter and ask them more about that. So it helps not only the parent because they'll let their guard down. They won't be so defensive like he was mentioning earlier. A lot of times parents come in defensive. They had a rough day. They just want to come for a place of respite here at, at church. So they'll let their guard down. And then, you know, this way they could op- are open to receive what God has for them. And this family, you know, will, may become a lifelong member just, again, on how the approach was. Just like I mentioned earlier, you know, same scenario, but it's on how we say things and how we approach them. We have to be careful because we have to realize anybody Anybody that God brings through this, the, the house of God is a God's child, and God brought them here for a reason. So. Yeah, so we're going to show a real quick video what it is. So you see a couple of things in, in that video. First of all, the mom was basically saying things that we're talking about, how they would go to church and, you know, they get the little comments, the stares. So it, the result of it, she just basically, they isolated themselves. said that this is going to be our life. We're just going to stay home, not go to church, not go out in public. Because, you know, just the issues, you know, the, the things that they had to deal with were just basically attitudes of people. But as this church, again, embraced her, reached out to her, and told her, hey, we, in a sense, have a buddy for you that can work with your child, um, you see the total just change in attitude that the mom says, now we don't have to worry about the, the stares or the comments. And, you know, we can, you know, experience the love of Christ. And, and, and even the result of seeing the daughter getting baptized there. And, and, and the gratitude that the mom has, is now she's involved with the ministry too. She says, I'm receiving, but I'm also giving back too. And, and we see that uh, as we embrace families, as we, we encourage them to, to come out, that this is our goal, that not only we reach the child, but we reach the whole family. Our goal is to encourage not only the family, but also their buddy. By showing the love of Jesus Christ, by giving the personal care and attention needed to make church services a joyful experience for those who are all involved. Earlier I was reading an article sharing some of the comments that this father wrote and some of his reasons why he didn't go to church, some of the things, the studies he did on, on how he found uh, many children with especially autism don't attend church services. And towards the end of his article, he started to, to write how they were able to find a church which had the buddy system. And this is where kind of uh, I gleaned from that. And he wrote in his article, and this is the father writing this. He says, Today our two boys enjoy Sunday mornings. Each has an adult buddy who spends time with him and provides support when needed. 
These buddies are not trained professionals, but generously volunteer their time to help our sons, who benefit from a familiar face on Sunday, sometimes, uh, Sundays, and sometimes need help knowing when to sit and when to play. These volunteers came forward on their own after learning of our needs. Now both, both of our sons have fewer struggles, fewer tears, and fewer anxiety attacks, and it brings us much joy. Our boys' disabilities often isolate us. Some days taking a trip to the store can feel like too much. This doesn't mean we don't want a connection with others. We just need help cultivating and maintaining them. When we make it through a Sunday morning, we feel an intense sense of hope, gratitude, and even achievement. For a moment, our son's disabilities do not define our family existence. So you see the result of that, how from the beginning when I was reading his article, he, he just was totally against church. He just felt the attitudes and, and even the attitudes of, of, of not willing to do anything to all of a sudden talk about how when he goes to church, he feels a sense of hope. There's gratitude and they feel like there's achievement there because the church showed, up, showed them the love of Christ by embracing their, fa- their family. You know, I, I'm so grateful for this church I, 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 uh, uh, because you know, my wife talked to my son and my son had some, some, some real needs. Um, he had a lot of medical issues uh, physically when, when he was born and my wife was here uh, attending church for about two and a half years before I was. But my son was always embraced and, 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 and then I think that's what kept me also, you know, that, that God was able to embrace my son and, and, and God used that to bring me in. You know, my son was able to, to attend school here. I, I remember we fought over this. I kept telling her, I want her here, I want him here, I want him here, but she felt like, no, he has special needs, he has to do his special needs, but he turned out great, you know, and he was able to attend school here. Uh, he graduated with a, a, a certificate of achievement uh, in 2006. After that, he was able to volunteer here at the school for eight years in the cafeteria. He was probably the best cafeteria worker they ever had. Um, you can ask Sister Kathy Garcia, she'll, she'll attest to that. But uh, he, gave, he, was, he, was, he just did great here. Um, you know, he's probably the best uncle in the world. I got four grand, granddaughters and one nephew, and man, his nieces and nephew just, nephew just love him. I, I just, I just, he's just got a, a, a tender heart, a loving heart, and man, they, they're always doing this to him, you know, always smiling with him, laughing with him. And, Sometimes and, and, he takes care of them better than their own parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's all watching him while their parents are on their phones, you know, so it's like, he's like, hey, hey, you know, watching him, but man, he's such a great uncle, and, and um, you know, right now he's volunteering at, at, at uh, Downey PIH Hospital. He volunteers there three days a week. Uh, he loves it there, and uh, just, just recently, uh, in April, uh, he, he got an award, a service award from the President, actually President of the United States, for his volunteerism. He got a really nice certificate. We went to a banquet. He was awarded uh, for, for, what he, for his volunteer work there at the hospital. So I, we were so blessed uh, by that. Um, you know, Pastor Art, and whoever is here Friday night, talked about how in his little lesson he said, you know what, I'm God's favorite. But you know what, my son Matthew is God's favorite. You know, I, I got I to, gotta, I, gotta, I really do. Because God's favor is on all over that boy. There's things he'll ask me for. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God just does it. I mean, I, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, we went to the Rose Bowl, and he was telling me, because we, we when he graduated in 2006, usually we, gave, we would give our sons money to get a car, not brand new cars, but, you know, back then you could buy a car for 1000 bucks. Well, so I, we'd give him money to, you know, get their first car. Well, Matthew couldn't drive, so I told Matthew, what do you want? He goes, I want season tickets to UCLA football. All right, got them, and me and her got hooked. That first year we got hooked. I just went for the food. Yeah, <laughs> but we got hooked. It was 2006, 
they were coming off a big losing streak to USC, and that was the year they beat them, like 13. And USC was supposed to go to the championship game. They ended up UCLA bet them, and we got, we, we got hooked. So we've been season ticket holders ever since. And the first year we got our seats, we were like maybe the third row from the top. That's where we were sitting. And Matthew tells me, he sends me a text, and he goes, I want to sit right here. And he sent me a picture, and it was right above the tunnel where the players come out. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know about that. Got to pray about that. So we went to select seat day, and we meet her, we walk in, and then we're like, because they do, they do by donors. So you're, you're high donors, you, you go first. So we're like no donors, you know. You're like, <laughs> we'll see you next, in a couple of weeks, you guys can come see things less. We wanted the donations. <laughs> so he... Uh, so we get there, and I kid you not, there's three seats right there where he wanted to sit. And I'm like, I looked at I can't believe this. So we got him. So just a couple months ago, he wanted to move. He wants to sit over by the band now. He wants to sit by the band and the student section. And again, you know, we're, you know they do the, select the seats, so they got all the donors. And again, we're the no donors. You know, so I, I, I told her, there's no way there's going to be seats right there. I'm telling her. She goes, I just, you know, he's got to trust. I'm, all right, so we get there, and we're like, they have times, you know, where, you know, you go. So we're like the second to the last group that goes in. I'm like, all right. So I go, let's just go straight over there. And sure enough, there's three seats right there where he wanted to sit. I'm like, and I get, God's amazing, and God's favor is on that boy. So we're blessed. And, and, and the church embraced him. You know, he's got great relationships here. But I don't want it just for my son. I want it for all families. You know what I'm saying? And the church is always been accommodating to families, but we're, we're, we're going a step further. I really believe that all this took place for a reason. All that took place, that God opened our eyes, because it was something that just, as I was reading, I started, God just started showing me things, and so I talked to Pastor Richard. I go, Pastor Richard, there's a need here. And Sister Nancy and him, we had a met with them, and they're like, yeah, let's do this. And they got behind us right away on board and said, this, we need to do this, because there is a need, especially since we're inviting families now. We can't say, hey, come to our church. I know you have children with special needs. Come to the church, but we don't have nothing to offer you. You know, just go to the crying room or go sit with them in service. No, we want to have something available so we can bring in the whole family and make, make the church available to them. So, again, um, it, 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 we want to see, you know, like I say, families grow within the church so they can give testimony of how God did great things in their child's life through the ministry and that their families are involved too. Matthew 19, 4 says, But Jesus said, Let the little children come unto me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 127, 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage and a gift from the Lord. All children are a gift from the Lord. I wouldn't change a thing about my son. I wouldn't change a thing about my son, because it's made him who he is, and it's done something in my life. You know, a lot of people think, Oh, you, you know, you have a special needs child or something. No. I always believe that special children are given to special families, and I mean that, because they'll care for them. And I wouldn't change a thing about my son, uh, because it's made him who he is, but it's also made us who we are too. So they are a gift from God. Um, the fruit of the womb is a reward. So that's all we have this morning. we got maybe five minutes for questions. Um, we'll try to answer them. We're not autism specialists. We're just people that want to help families. Okay, that's before you start throwing all these questions of, of you know, uh, you know, you're, you read in some journal somewhere. I can't answer that. But what I know is we have a heart for people, and we were going to do the best we can to help them. So, anybody got any questions? We got about five minutes.
Yeah, so we're, we're looking at something like that because, again, we got we to gotta be careful with, you know, mixing adults with children. And so we're, we're, we're kind of trying to work some things on how we can do it because I understand that. That's, that's a need. And, and because, like I say, my nephew is in his mid-20s now. And the same thing. We're trying to think of how we can accommodate even the, the adult uh, with special needs. So right now we're starting with this, but this is something that we're praying and believing that God will give us the workers, the, the, the people that would have a heart for that, that we can also assign them a buddy too, where maybe they're not going to take them to the, the children's ministry, or, 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 but we'll find a place for them. And, and it, that, that, because that's something we want to do too. We don't want to exclude, but right now, so as we're getting started, we're going to start with the, with the children. But I know what you're saying because, again, I, I, I feel like because my nephew's in the, in the same condition. So depending on the size of your church and your facility and, and the amount of workers you have, you could also have a sensory room for the adult age one, you know, if, you, if we can't, yeah. you know, interchange with that. Well, the IEP, why would you want that? Because that's educational. So what, what do you think? Right. Right. So, so that's, like, if you remember earlier they said I would meet with the parent, that's where you could get all that type of information. You might want, you, you don't necessarily need their IEP. You could just say, well, what does the IEP, you know, say in it? You know, what are the goals on the IEP? So, yeah, that's what I would do. Because the parent's going to come and say, well, why do you want my IEP, you know? You could just say, oh, do, you, do your child have an IEP? Um, what, what are the goals in there? Maybe we can help, you know, yeah, and, with and that's that. the thing. We're not prying, but we're just, we, we want to, to help your child more, so we want to know what are the things that trigger them, what are, what are the things, the goals that they have. So it, it, so it better helps the buddy also, so they already know what to be prepared for. And it helps us, too, because we'll know, which person to place with that child. Yeah. You know, because, again, we're not just going to say, hey, you, you, you come over here, you go with that child now. We're not going to do that. We're going to train somebody. So we're going to know each individual worker so we'll know who we can assign to a certain child based on their need also. Because a lot of times we just want to just grab somebody's, hey, why don't you go with this kid because you're here, and they're not prepared for that. So we, we'll know, you know, who's, got, you know who's, who's better with certain kids. And, we're, we're, and that's where the training will come in. And that's why, too, we're going to have the, the buddy, that particular Whoever's going to be involved as a buddy, they have to really have a heart for it, and it's a gift. It's a gift because it, 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 you're going to give of yourself. You're going to give 110% of yourself. So um, that buddy will learn that child. We're going to um, give them that information we learn when we meet with the parents. We're going to give it to the, that particular buddy, and uh, they'll, they'll um, have all that information. So. Okay, you've got a minute and a half. We're going to go up to the, the, the uh, oh, it's going to be over 18. It's got to be at least over 18. Yeah, we're not going to have teenagers. Yeah, we, we just can't. We have to be an adult. And then again, and then we'll work with them. If, if there's, you know, they can be 18 but still be very immature, then we may tell them, we appreciate you wanting to work with these kids, but right now let's just wait. We'll, we'll train them, work with them more. But again, we're, we're not just looking for bodies to just throw in there. We want somebody that we can train and, and give them understanding and, and let them know this is what's going to be expected, this is what things to look for, uh, you know, and the things that you've got to be prepared for. And so, again, if, if we get somebody that's like 18, right at 18, we're going to make sure that they're ready for that. And, and they may work with, with the smaller child. 
So, so again, we'll, we'll, like I say, this is where we'll know who to place with certain people. Okay, yeah. First, we're going to do it, yeah. It's, we're not, like, it, it's just things that we know from, from our experience, things to look for. There's other families that, that we're going to work with also that, that are here in church that are going to assist us, you know, give us some input. Um, so just, we're not just by ourselves. We're going, to have, we're going to build a team around us that has experience in, in working with kids or have children that have special needs. And, and like one of the sisters will be upstairs. Her son uh, is, has autism, and she's going to be helping us too. And she'll be up there kind of being the greeter for the, for the, for the sensory room. And if room. you have any questions yeah. that, about what's in the sensory room. Yeah. Okay. So. It'll be the to break room. A break room age. Yeah, break room age. Yeah. So I think that's what around 12. Okay, we got to stop because we're out of time. You have any other questions? You can come see us. You can come see us right after, but we, we got to stop because we, we got a break. Yeah. Okay. So thank so, you guys. Appreciate uh, so your participation. Again, on the second floor, room 25, you can go ahead and take a look. There's um, a greeter over there, Marianne, and she'll, if there's anything there that you, uh, objects there, you're like, why is it this here or whatever? Why is the room dark? She'll explain to you. Okay, thank you very much for taking time and, and uh, coming in to this workshop. Thank you.